can begin to turn with me to Matthew chapter 2. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 12. And for those of you who are astute in uh, gauging where we have talked and where we are going, you will probably be saying, hey, we're backing up a bit in Scripture. And that's okay, because we are. And that's going to be just fine. And so is that. Um, so, Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, as we enter into this time that we call the Epiphany, it's all about this idea of realizing who Christ is. Who He is in our lives, who He is in our relationships. And the very, one of the very first interactions is that of with the wise men. So that's what we're going to be looking at today. So if you are able to, I ask that you please stand for the reading of God's Word in Matthew chapter 2, 1 through 12. It says, In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem and Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star in the rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me words so that I may go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out. And there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the written word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Heavenly Father, as we dig into your word today and as we begin to uh, understand more of what it is that you are beginning to shape within us, may your Holy Spirit freely speak to our hearts and our minds. May we truly stop to listen and to accept what it is that you are showing us today. It is in your name we pray. Amen. So we are, in fact, starting a, a new series, something a little bit different, because we are, well, technically today is the last celebration of the Christmas time, but tomorrow is official start of the Epiphany, and I just wanted to get a head start because I'm a little anxious, and I think it's good for us to, to get going to see how this is shaping. And really, I'm, I'm excited because the Epiphany brings about this idea that I have long been wanting to talk about. So long, in fact, that... Uh, it was back before I even entered college that I, I thought this would be wonderful if we could begin to talk about. And that is the idea of thin places. Now, has anyone ever heard of this idea called thin places? No? 
You have, because you're stuck with me. <laughs> if you ever want to feel bad for someone, feel bad for my wife. She hears a lot of things. Thin places. Thin places. Okay, so we have the epiphany. This is when we realize who Christ is. This is, this is that idea, that light bulb moment where you say, oh, so this is what it means that he is the Messiah. And this is what it means in my life. This is what it means in my family's life, in my community. This is what it means. Now, thin places. Thin places comes from a concept in Celtic Christian tradition where they believe that there are places and moments where heaven and earth seem to be closer. And so if you are there at that moment, in that place, all of a sudden you feel the presence of God more fully. For example, they would say that Mount Sinai would be a thin place because that is where Moses went up and talked to God, where, where God came down in the cloud and gave him the law. That would be considered a thin place. And so what I hope to do throughout these coming weeks, as we prepare ourselves and, and, and look into our lives and, and get ready for Easter, because that's coming up in like nine weeks. <laughs> Put that in your brains. Uh, yeah, uh, so thin places. Heaven on earth. A moment, a place. Now, when you think about Christ and think about the Messiah, he is God in flesh, Right? And so, in many ways, then, the Messiah is the epitome of a thin place. He is the exact representation of where you get to meet heaven on earth. So, my hope is that as we journey through the life of Christ, as we talk about how he has demonstrated himself and how he be how he is being a thin place to the people that he comes in contact with, we might also be shaped and challenged to be a thin place for others. To be a place where when they meet with us, when they talk with us, all of a sudden they say, what is different? What is happening? I feel like the presence of God is surrounding you. So that is my hope in these coming weeks as we talk about this. And I think we stand a pretty good chance. Now, before we get to that, I want us to think about this idea of searching. We're all searching for something, right? How many of you had had to search for lost keys? Yep. People search for keys. They search, well, they search for dogs. I remember the story a couple of weeks ago from Jessica. She was saying how she was searching for her lost dog. You search for buried treasure. You have the people out when we are down in St. Joseph. There's lots of people always out with metal detectors on the beach searching for treasure. People search for that, that, that word, the perfect word, the right word to say. How many times have you fumbled trying to get it out? And so you search in your brain, what was it I was going to say? Sometimes you search your entire house for something and you keep walking in rooms and you don't know. Or you open up the fridge and you're searching for something to eat and you close it and you walk away and then you come back again and you open it. And you... <laughs> Nothing's changed, but you keep searching for it. Some people search for the next best thing, technology or otherwise. And some people are searching for the meaning of a life. People are always searching for something. And Amy and I, we were searching for a house. Praise be to God, we found a house. It was a wonderful house. 
And now we're searching for where to put everything in this house. Which, if you have a trick on how to magically make boxes unpack themselves and put themselves away, please let us know, because that would save us hours of trying to rearrange our house multiple times over. No matter what we do, it seems like everything leads to searching for something else. When we finish one task, it just means that we search for another. So how do we end this? Is there an end to this searching? Now, in my very few short years on this earth, I think I have discovered what we can do. Because many people are searching for something, but you don't find an end until you search for the right thing. And that is critical. So then it leads us to ask the question, how do we know that we are searching for the right thing? And that is where the wise men come in. Because they give us a perfect example of what it means to be searching for the right thing. So let us look a little bit into this story that we read, how they searched for the Messiah, and how that then means for us. As we search for a thin place, as we search for Christ, as we search for more understanding, whatever it is that's in the back of your mind that you've been thinking about since I've said the word search, because I know it's there. So, this whole idea of the Messiah, uh, the, the wise men coming to worship the Messiah, it's rather astounding that these men came in the first place because history has nothing on them. We don't know all but a little bit what is in here. Now, Catholic tradition has built up a lot. They've given them names and, and backstories, but that can't be verified. So really, all we know is right here in this text— they don't know much about Jewish tradition. They are trying to figure out a place of where to go because they're coming from thousands of miles away because they saw this star up in the sky and they said, hey, I think we remember something from this tradition that tells us that this star means something. And so then they go off in a pursuit for something that they have no clue about. It's amazing that they pursued the Messiah the way that they did. Now, look at verse 2. Especially men, I'll get to that, but verse 2, asking, where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When we're searching for something, when they were searching for something, they had the humility to stop and ask for directions. That's That's impressive. Because how many of us love stopping to ask for directions? No. Now, now today, it's even easier because we have our phones. We just pull our phone. Uh, no, no, I don't, I don't need to stop. I'll just plug, you know, my, my phone plugs into my car, and it's all right up there on the dash. So I don't even have to pull out my phone, which is safe. Uh, but if you stop and think about it, you're still asking for directions. You're just asking a device. You're just not talking to people, right? Think about that. Uh, a lot of people struggle when it comes to asking for help, when it comes to saying, uh, we should stop and get some insight. Because you have to then admit to yourself, and you're admitting to the person you're talking to, I don't know. And that's a scary feeling, to admit, I don't know. And yet these wise men travel all this way, they enter Jerusalem, because Jerusalem was known as the, the, the place where the palace of the Jews lived, 
And as soon as they get in, they start saying, okay, so where's this king that was born? They're humble enough to stop and say, we, don't, we, we know this much, give us more insight. Now, it's also a little bit rather odd, think about this. You enter into a place that you, you have no ties to, ruled by this person, and you start saying, hey, where's the new guy that's supposed to replace you? We want to we worship him. Doesn't that seem a little odd? Set aside the fact that Herod was such an evil man that you wouldn't have wanted gone to Herod and say, hey, I want to worship the guy that's better than you. That, that, it's kind of like an insult, almost, that they were coming to worship the king who was a baby that was not in the place of the ruler at the time. But still, they took the moment to say, we don't know how powerful that is when you can say, I don't know. Because then it opens you up for something even greater, which is the advice that you get. And of course, we then have a choice, right? The wise men had a choice. They went and they asked, where is this king to be born? And so then they have the, the high priests, the scribes, the Pharisees, they come out with the book of the law and they say, oh, he's supposed to be born in Bethlehem. They get their advice. They get the wisdom that they were seeking. And then they could have made a choice. Do I follow this advice or do I not? Back in the heyday of GPS, when you would buy the actual individual device and stick it in your car, to get directions, I think it was like 2007 when they began to really get popular, we had one. And it was one of the first times we were ever using it. It felt like a hip family. We were like, hey, we got a GPS in our car. This is awesome. And we were driving down to Detroit to fly out of the airport. And my dad was using it. And it said, take such and such exit. And he looked and the sign said, exit going towards Ohio. And he's like, what? He veers off course and he's like, I'm not, that stupid thing doesn't know what it's talking about. I'm not going to Ohio. I'm trying to go to Detroit. And so then he keeps driving and driving. And then we find out it was right. He needed that exit. It was just saying that eventually that road would lead to Ohio, but it would pass through Detroit. We can accept advice when we ask it, or we can reject it. Now, again, think about this. If you don't know something, and you ask someone for advice, does it make sense to then tell that person, oh, you don't know what you're talking about, I'm going to go in my own direction? Right? The whole purpose of stopping and asking is because you don't know. And so the wise men make the perfect choice. They hear Bethlehem, go there and you shall find the king because this is what our prophecy tells us. And they, they don't know any better and they say, all right, we'll do, we'll go. Of course, it's a little disheartening for them because that means their journey isn't over. They thought they were done. They got to Jerusalem, this was where the king was supposed to be and yet he's not here. And this leads us to the final point of the wise men and their journey, which is don't give up. They didn't give up. Even though they got to Jerusalem, they thought everything was done, they were told, nope, you have to dra travel six more miles south of here to get to where you actually wanted to be in the first place. Now, for me, that would drive me bonkers. 
My wife knows this about me. If I'm traveling and I know I'm almost to where I want to be, I start to get very antsy. I get very irritated. I might even start to go a little bit faster than what I should be because I want to get done, especially when we've been traveling from St. Joe up to my parents because it's three hours. And I know the road so well, especially when you start taking Pine River Road up into Midland area. I know those roads. I've traveled those roads for years. I would take the corners at like 55, 60. And so, you know, and I just, I get ready and I want to go and I want to go. It is awful because I'll be like rocking in the seat. Get me there because I'm tired and I'm frustrated. It is so easy to give up on the last little bit to do all this work. They traveled all the way from what historians believe was Babylon, thousands of miles through the desert, following a star, and then they're told, go six more miles. And so they start out again, and this is what's really weird when you look at that verse. It says the star moved. (laughs) How much more frustrating is it when your target that you keep trying to reach keeps moving away from you? It's like when someone's trying to get in a car and you, you keep going a little bit further. You know, they keep trying to get in the doorway and you keep Gas? No, no one's ever done that before? Come on now. I know you have, admit it. It's all fun until someone gets hurt, right? The star was moving, and yet they keep on going. They keep on pushing forward because they're searching for something, and they know that what they are searching for is going to be well worth it. And then upon coming to the house, they see the child. And they fall down and worship him. Give him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh, which to us is not as meaningful today because we don't know how valuable those items were. You only gave those to kings. And for the fact that they would give all of that up because they believed this child was worth more than all these possessions worth more than the months that they took traveling. They were searching for something great. And when they came and they were excited, they discovered that thin place. That moment where all of a sudden they said, God is here. And what do they do? They worship. So now it's our turn. We are searching for things. We are trying to find things in our lives. Before you start renting a camel and going on a journey following some star somewhere in a foreign land, let's stop a bit, okay? Let's do a little check. Evaluate what you're searching for, okay? Because we can search for a lot of things, and some things might lead us down a good path, but they still won't lead us to the right path path. Other things we know, plain and simple. If we try to search in life for wealth and fame and prestige, that's not going to lead to anything, right? We understand that if we try to to bolster what we have in physical possessions, that will just end in everything eventually turning to dust, being stolen, or breaking. That's how life goes. But then this brings in an interesting discussion of when we are searching for things that we think are good, 
evaluate where, if I follow this path, if I look for this thing, where will it take me? I want to have peace in my family. I want to see my siblings and my children get along. Okay, well, where will that path take you? How will that be shaped in your journey of what you're searching for? For men, it might be, I want to be the spiritual leader in my household. Or I might want to understand more of God's word. I want to actually understand what it is that I'm reading instead of just reading words that come in one ear and out the other. Or maybe it's I want to search for a prayer life that actually feels like it's doing something. These are all freebies. You can take and write them down. You can, you can use them. It's okay. Evaluate if the thing that you are searching for will lead you to the presence of Christ or not. Because if it doesn't, if whatever you're searching for is going to lead you down a path, anything other than the presence of Christ, it is not worth your time. It is not worth the energy. Even if it's a good thing. So, evaluate. More than that, get to work. It's a new year. Set goals. Mush, come on, let's go. We got to do things, right? We can't just say, oh, I want to do this. Oh, I want to change my life. Oh, I want to lead my family in the ways of God and then just sit on our bums. That doesn't produce anything. So then we can begin to pull in what the wise men did. We can begin to look at how they pursued by going and doing putting into action the things that we need to. So now we have to we have to do some work that is going to be difficult. Okay? I'm not going to sugarcoat it. 90% of what we have to do to change something becomes very easy. You set goals, you write down targets, you you change things in your house or in your workplace, whatever it might be. But then it comes down to the last 10% to actually see the results, to actually find the thing that you're searching for, to reach that end. And it's that last 10% that we'll often fail at. And just like the wise men, I say don't give up. That last 10% will suck every ounce of energy it has from you but it's worth it to go and to give everything you have to reach that point. But it's going to take everything from you to get there. And then finally, when you get to that place, when you find that thin place, stay there. Worship there as long as you can. The wise men didn't want to leave. They wanted to stay as long as possible because it was such a marvelous place to be at. And in the same way, we we have this idea of getting things done, to-do lists, trying to get everything accomplished. Once you get something done, you move on to the next thing. Don't. 
when you find this place, this moment, when you come into the presence of Christ in something that you've been searching for, worship there for as long as possible. Soak in every ounce of it. Revel in the reward of the work that you have put in, searching for this prize. One of the moments that I remember most for myself was when all that work through college finally paid off. Years of studying hundreds of books, what feels like thousands of papers to write and push and push and push. And then you got to that moment when I was finally in a church, able to do the thing that I've been searching for the most, where I've been able to actually come in and, and change lives to help bring the Word of God to people so they can understand and be, be shaped and formed in His image. A marvelous place to be at because you could just feel the presence of Christ as He was working and doing, and I just wanted to stay there as long as possible. These moments will come. They take some work. They take setting out to look for the right thing. But here's where it all comes together. Something that I don't know if you've caught yet. The wise men is plural, right? It wasn't a wise man. It wasn't one. In all of this, don't think that you have to do it alone. Don't think that it's your job alone to go and find what you are searching for, to figure it out, to do anything. Plural. We assume there was three. There could have been more. Probably there was more, because it wasn't even safe for three people to travel by themselves that far. Multiples. So now look around in the room. It's okay, you don't have to look at me. Look around at the room. Look at everyone here. Guess what? God, in his wondrous thought, said, I'm going to form my church, and it's going to be a body of people who collectively come together in communities where they can share in everything, including what they are searching for. If you're saying, again, I, I talk to guys first, I want to be the spiritual head of my household, I want to see my family grow in Christ, and I want to lead them in this way, guess what? There's probably at least one other guy here who feels that same way. In fact, I'll say that because I know that's where I'm at because even as a pastor, I still have to work towards that. Or you may be saying, I, I really need to figure out how I can be in God's word every day so that it can transform me because I know that I just struggle with doing it. Guess what? You're not the only one. It takes discipline and it takes work but we have each other to come alongside, to work together. So don't go it alone. Use each other. Some of us are a little bit older. Some of us are a little bit younger. Use the advice from each other. The younger, we have a great grasp on how society is kind of working today. The older, they have a lot of history 
to teach us a lot of life lessons that we don't have to mess up on to get over. Use this common wealth of knowledge to say, hey, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to lead. I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to just let God take control of the the frustration in my heart, whatever it may be. That's why we are a body, to come together, to work together. And more importantly, searching for Christ never ends. We get somewhere. We, we reach a point of satisfaction, but we should never be fully satisfied with how much we have learned from God. We should never be satisfied with the presence of Christ yet. It should only whet our appetite, make us hungrier for more, to go deeper and further. And it should also open our eyes to others. Because like I said, everyone's searching for something. And then everyone's trying to find something. And if you pay attention close enough, you can see what they are struggling with, what they are trying to reach by how they are searching for it. And we can come alongside them. We can come alongside someone and say, I, I, I understand what you're looking for. I, I see that you're searching for this. Can I show you where you can find that? The gospel in action, right? Us being a thin place for others to find the presence of God. Food for thought. Examine this week. Look at the people that you come in contact with. See what they are searching for. I bet you'll be a little bit surprised. So, as we end this just introductory sermon on thin places, on the realization of who Christ is, may we begin to ask ourselves as we enter into this new year, what can I search for that will lead me into the presence of Christ? Who can I go along with so that we can work together as a a band of brothers and sisters to get there? Let us pray this morning. Father, help us to pause for one moment to find what it is we are searching for. What it is that we are truly longing for right now, this moment where we are trying to be in your presence. Just as the wise men traveled so far to be with you, Lord, I know that we long to be in your presence. We long to see your face. We long to experience the glory of who you are. Help us to understand what we are searching for. May we do the work 
all the work to not give up even when it gets tough. And Father, please, when we come into that presence as the wise men came unto that house, may we stop and just worship you. Bright morning star, your light has come and the birth of Jesus has overwhelmed us with joy. Like the Magi of long ago, may we be drawn to you and offer you such gifts as we are able. Amen. I now send you out into your communities to make Christ-like disciples. Go in the grace of God.